Our scripture passage this morning, as we go to, as we look to God's word, it comes from two places. Uh, first, Isaiah chapter 60, uh, Isaiah 60 verses 1 through 7, and those verses will bring to a conclusion this exploration of Isaiah that I've been doing with you, and then uh, as well, well, we'll turn over to Matthew chapter 2 and verses 1 through 12. First, Isaiah 60, 1 through 7. This is God's word. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you. And his glory shall be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see, they all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, the wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you, the rams of Nebeth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar and I will beautify my house. Now, Matthew chapter 2 and verses 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly, with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Well, this morning, I, I want you to imagine two scenes. I think most of you will be familiar with uh, both of them. First, imagine the unsleeping lights of a city, maybe downtown Philadelphia. Uh, you know, night falls, but the sides of the skyscrapers continue to flash. Light from random office spaces pokes through like a giant uh, light bright toy board. Electricity keeps buzzing. And also, you look up at the sky, and what do you see? What do you see? A kind of pale gray, almost black, but a blank canvas, a blank slate, apparently no star in the sky. We call it uh, light pollution or, or a sky glow, but there are so many man-made lights filling our environments that when we uh, look up in, in that kind of place, all we see is this soft glow of our artificial lights reflected back to us. And then imagine a second scene. You are dropped down far away from all of that. Say in Cherry Springs State Park, literally named a dark sky park. And what happens? The sky explodes with stars. Not just those stars that you are used to seeing, the Big Dipper or or Orion, not just the close or the brilliant stars, but pinpoints of light coming through everywhere. And this, I want to say, is, is like our experience of reading Isaiah. We began this book with, with uh, what we might think of as a dark canvas, a blank canvas wrestling with its opening lines. The prophet said, Israel does not know, my people do not understand. And then we encountered that strange call of the prophet, make the heart of this people dull, blind their eyes, see. And then why was Israel, why are we unperceiving? Each passage we explored uh, showed us that it was the artificial lights of Israel's environment. Idols, which crowded out the true light. So we, in the course of this book, we become weary, I think, of that pale, gray, blank slate of a sky. But then, too, in this book, light explodes on our eyes. And so today, arise, shine, your light has come. To bring Matthew into our view, this is also much like our experience of 
uh, of the Advent season. We identify with the people of God waiting and longing for the coming of God, waiting and longing for the promised one to appear, the light of the world. And so these two passages, they, they get us in on, on these scenes, uh, pondering which better characterizes our life. The artificial glow of man-made lights, the light bursting forth from the Son of God. And these verses of Isaiah, they, they play out in two parts. First, there's verses 1 through 3, and then verses 4 through 7. But each of them uh, begins with these excited commands. Arise, shine, in verse 1. And then in verse 4, lift up your eyes and see. So we have uh, these two parts, both beginning and ending in similar places, beginning with these excited commands and then each climaxing with the streaming in of the nations. And this too draws us back to the beginning of Isaiah. In Isaiah 2, it says, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. They'll say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And so it is here also in Isaiah 60. But from each of these two parts, I want to say we see something critical about this the shining of this light and the coming in of the nations. First, in verses 1 through 3, we need to see what draws the nations. And above all, it's these wonderful words spoken to Israel, your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. What a wonderful, rich Delightful uh, claim. What makes it wonderful? It's partially in the, the contrast, isn't it? Isaiah's audience has been in, in darkness. Verse 2, darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness, the peoples. And this metaphor of darkness, it has this remarkable ability to to capture so much of our experience uh, in this world marked by sin. Whether we think of our suffering or our sorrow or our ignorance or our hopelessness or if we think of forces of darkness or the darkness of God's judgment, the absence of his face. All of this was present for Israel, first receiving these words. In, in chapter 59, uh, Isaiah says this, in verse, verse 9, Therefore justice is far from us, righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light and behold darkness. 
uh, for brightness, but behold, we walk in gloom. We grope about, uh, it says, we grope for wall like the blind. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. This image uh, is, is powerful partially because this image of light coming is powerful partially because of the contrast. Our lives or the world can seem encased in darkness, no real light getting through. But it's not just the contrast, is it? It's also the pure brilliance of this light that attracts us. You know, what is this this glory of the Lord so radiant? The people who walked in darkness, another passage of Isaiah says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Uh, Those who dwelt in land of deep, deep darkness, on them light has shone. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. That's Isaiah 9. Isaiah 59 says that the Lord looked on Israel in its darkness, saw that there was no man to save, no one to intercede. And what does he do? It says, his own arm brought salvation. This light, so brilliant, is a child born, a son given. And also, somehow, God himself come to save. I spoke to someone this week whose, whose face lit up when they realized that winter solstice is almost upon us. Think of, think of the kind of uh, simple joy this brings to you, right? When you, when you realize that in just a few more days, the hours of daylight will begin to creep back in. Steadily, more sunlight in your life. And if you feel some hope in that, think of the hope that stirs in this passage of Isaiah, that into Israel's existence, so encased in darkness, now the light of God bursts forth. Not just creeps back in steadily, but it bursts forth in this amazing moment. And so the nations are drawn to this light. The second thing to see uh, from the, the latter part of this passage is what the nations bring. The light of Yahweh draws them. What do they bring? And then now we get verse 5 and following. The nations bring their abundance, their, their goods, their commodities, their wealth as gifts. As gifts. Camels of Midian and, and Ephah, gold and frankincense, flocks of Kedar. It's remarkable. Especially if we remember uh, a line from the last passage we looked at. In, in chapter 40, God said, Look, all the trees of Lebanon are, are not enough for fuel, nor its beasts sufficient for a burnt offering, an offering worthy of God. But now... These gifts from the nations stream in, and in verse 7 it says they they come up with acceptance on God's altar. 
the whole realm of creation, as it were, is, is brought in praise of God's worth. And he graciously receives these gifts and is glad. And twice we see that these gifts of the nations, they serve for the praise of God. In verse 6, the nations bring camels, gold, frankincense, and at the end of the verse, the praises of the Lord. And again, verse 7, all these goods come streaming in, and then God says, I will beautify my house. What does it all mean? It means that God is, is placing the high point of Israel's history in the shade. That uh, the, the presence of God shining forth here, it promises to outdo the glory of Solomon. That's what, who you might well think of reading of these great riches. And if you want to, you could uh, read 1 Kings 10 this afternoon with the queen of Sheba coming to Solomon to see his wisdom and his wealth and bearing gifts of, of spices and gold and precious stones. Or Hiram, king of Tyre, bringing precious goods to be put to use in Solomon's temple, beautifying God's house. And that chapter ends by saying this, that the whole earth came to see Solomon, his wisdom and his glory. Every one of them brought his present articles of silver and gold, garments, myrrh, spices, horses and mules, year by year. See, but when Israel's light comes, all that will be but a mere foretaste. And so we come upon our Matthew text, this familiar scene, wise men from the east seeking out and finding and worshiping, uh, bringing gifts to the newborn Jesus. And here is a story that, that like Isaiah, it, it flashes uh, with light. Who are these wise men? We sometimes call them Magi, which perhaps helps us realize that here is a kind of person with whom we are unfamiliar. If we call them wise men, we have to realize that their, their so-called wisdom includes skill and magical gifts and in astrology, a preoccupation which God exploits in, in leading them with this star. But we should realize in the ancient world, these were considered learned and, and, and respected individuals. And we glimpse their, their wealth, their status, so that coming to Jerusalem, they are as, they're like foreign dignitaries. But these wise men, they come to Jerusalem and they say, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For, for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And here, with the birth of, of this king, with the birth of this king is a light, a star to catch our attention. A light to break through the 
the artificial glow that characterizes our life. And the way this scene unfolds, we can be reminded of one of the most ancient prophecies of uh, messianic prophecies of scripture. Interestingly, it comes from a, a, not a prophet from Israel, but from Balaam, a foreign prophet, another man from the east. But the Lord leads Balaam to look on Israel, and in Numbers 24, 17, he says, I see a, a star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel. A star shall come. Here is a ruler who will rise like a star. Just what we have in Matthew 2. Arise, shine, your light has come. And like the light of Isaiah 60, this light, this king, impresses us with his brilliance, his glory. We observed that Isaiah's light uh, it shines forth by, through a contrast. And it's the same with Jesus. Here, uh, against, over against Jesus, we have another king, Herod, fearfully troubled at the news of a Messiah. Here is Herod scheming, uh, uh, a ruler of the world, scheming to, to stamp out any competition for his rule. And then in the passage following ours, Herod will rule by means of a ruthless massacre, putting infants to death, attempting to find and to kill the promised Messiah. Here is Herod, in other words, acting like the proud and violent rulers that have oppressed Israel in darkness. Egypt, Babylon, But over against Herod, this promised king comes with a mysterious glory. The wise men seek him in Jerusalem in the great royal city and instead they are led to the little town of Bethlehem and into into an ordinary house to a helpless child in the arms of an otherwise unknown mother. And how is Christ received? His coming troubles the establishment. It troubles the people so that we soon find him as a refugee and an exile. Christ comes with this strange glory. But with the response of these wise men, we realize this is God's glory. This is the light of God's glory appearing in this out-of-the-way place, weak and helpless, held by another. What do the wise men see? They see the king who is greater than Solomon. So they open their treasures, gold and frankincense and myrrh, And perhaps somehow they also see, or at least they help us to see, God himself come to redeem. The Son of God himself come to save. They fell down and worshipped him. Your light has come. 
The glory of the Lord has risen upon you and the nations shall come to your light. This light, as it appears in Isaiah, as it appears in Matthew's gospel, it has a surprising effect, which I've passed over, but which can now capture our attention. And it's in that, it's in that initial summons, that initial encouragement, which Isaiah gives. What does he say? Arise, shine. Arise, shine. And do you see, he... He assures Jerusalem that that their light will come, that God's face will shine upon them. But but his summons is this. Jerusalem, you are to arise. You are to shine. Jerusalem is to be a shining light, you see. Your light has come. Now shine. As the light of the gospel rests upon you, you are made to reflect the light of God's glory. And isn't that stunning as you think of it? It's a mystery that we can hold up, not equal to, but right next to this mystery of the incarnation that you are made to reflect the glory of God as the light of his face shines upon you. We have all kinds of metaphors that, that dance around this kind of thing. They, they point to the, the difference that someone's presence can make. We say, you're the light of my life. Or, or you light up the room. Or you're a ray of sunshine. We speak with these metaphors, but we don't have anything to match this. God's gracious, saving presence is the light of your life and it makes you light. That's the effect of Christ's coming. That's why Jesus, the King, the bright rising star, will also say to his disciples later in Matthew's gospel, you are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden Hidden, let your light shine uh, before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Look, the glory of Christ is infinitely better than the, than the, uh, the glow of the artificial lights about you. Infinitely better. Are you captivated with this glorious king? Do you you know his excellent worth so so that like these wise men, you desire to humbly worship and bow down, to adore the son? Is your life and joy in him such that his light shines through you? This is the work which Christ has accomplished in his coming, in his incarnation as he shines upon you. This is the work he accomplishes as he shines upon you and transforms you into his likeness. Let us pray. 
Our gracious God, we adore you for your work of redemption. We adore you for your sending of your son in love, for the way you set your love upon us before the foundation of the world and moved history to draw us to yourself. We praise you that uh, as your light has, has shone forth in Christ, that you do not leave us the same, but that you, through the power of your spirit, change and transform and renew. Oh Lord, grant that we would see and behold the glory of Christ today. Grant that we would see and, and behold the glory of this King whose, whose coming is like unlike any other. And then would you draw us, draw our hearts to you, draw us to you in worship so that we would be attracted and, and uh, irresistibly uh, drawn to the light of Christ. Renew us as we see his glory today. We pray in his mighty name and we say together, amen.